Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible Leviticus 22 In this chapter we have divers laws concerning the priests and sacrifices all for the preserving of the honor of the sanctuary. 1. That the priests should not eat the holy things in their uncleanness, verses 1-9. to 2. That no stranger who did not belong to some family of the priest should eat of the holy things, verses 10 to 13, and, if he did it unwittingly, he must make restitution, verses 14 to 16. 3. That the sacrifices which were offered must be without blemish, verses 17 to 25. 4. That they must be more than eight days old, verses 26 to 28 and that the sacrifices of thanksgiving must be eaten the same day they were offered, verse 29, etc. Laws Concerning the Priests, 1490 B.C. 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 2 Speak unto Aaron, and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they profane not my holy name and those things which they hallow unto me, I am the Lord. 3 Say unto them, Whosoever he be of all your seed among your generations, that goeth unto the holy things, which the children of Israel hallow unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, that soul shall be cut off from my presence, I am the Lord. For what man soever of the seed of Aaron is a leper, or hath a running issue, he shall not eat of the holy things, until he be clean. And whoso toucheth any thing that is unclean by the dead, or a man whose seed goeth from him, five or whosoever toucheth any creeping thing, whereby he may be made unclean, or a man of whom he may take uncleanness, whatsoever uncleanness he hath. Six the soul which hath touched any such shall be unclean until even, and shall not eat of the holy things, unless he wash his flesh with water. Seven and when the sun is down, he shall be, shall be clean, and shall afterward eat of the holy things, because it is his food. Eight that which dieth of itself, or is torn with beasts, he shall not eat to defile himself therewith, I am the Lord. 9 They shall therefore keep mine ordinance, lest they bear sin for it, and die therefore, if they profane it, I the Lord do sanctify them. Those that had a natural blemish, though they were forbidden to do the priest's work, were yet allowed to eat of the holy things, and the Jewish writers say that to keep them from idleness they were employed in the woodroom to pick out that which was worm-eaten, that it might not be used in the fire upon the altar, they might also be employed in the judgment of leprosy, but... 1. Those that were under any ceremonial uncleanness, which possibly they contracted by their own fault, might know so much as eat of the holy things while they continued in their pollution. 1. Some pollutions were permanent, as a leprosy or a running issue, verse 4. These separated the people from the sanctuary, and God would show that they were so far from being more excusable that really they were more abominable in a priest. 2. Others were more transient, as the touching of a dead body, or anything else that was unclean, from which, after a certain time, a man was cleansed by bathing his flesh in water, verse 6. But whoever was thus defiled might not eat of the holy things, under pain of God's highest displeasure, who said, and ratified the saying, that soul shall be cut off from my presence, verse 3. Our being in the presence of God, and attending upon Him, will be so far from securing us that it will but the more expose us to God's wrath, if we dare to draw nigh to him in our uncleanness. The destruction shall come from the presence of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, as the fire by which Nadab and Abihu died came from before the Lord. Thus those who profane the holy word of God will be cut off by that word which they make so light of, it shall condemn them. 
They are again warned of their da danger if they eat the holy thing in their uncleanness, v. 9, lest they bear sin, and die therefore. Note, 1. Those contract great guilt who profane sacred things, by touching them with unhallowed hands. Eating the holy things signified an interest in the atonement, but, if they ate of them in their uncleanness, they were so far from lessening their guilt that they increased it, they shall bear sin. 2. Sin is a burden which, if infinite mercy prevent not, will certainly sink those that bear it, they shall die therefore. Even priests may be ruined by their pollutions and presumptions. 2. As to the design of this law we may observe, 1. This obliged the priests carefully to preserve their purity, and to dread everything that would defile them. The holy things were their livelihood, if they might not eat of them, how must they subsist? The more we have to lose of comfort and honor by our defilement, the more careful we should be to preserve our purity. 2. This impressed the people with a reverence for the holy things, when they saw the priests themselves separated from them, as the expression is, verse 2, so long as they were in their uncleanness. He is doubtless a God of infinite purity, who kept his immediate attendance under so strict a discipline. 3. This teaches us carefully to watch against all moral pollutions, because by them we are unfitted to receive the comfort of God's sanctuary. Though we labor not under habitual deformities, yet actual defilements deprive us of the pleasure of communion with God, and therefore he that is washed needeth to wash his feet, John 13 verse 10, to wash his hands, and so to compass the altar, Psalm 26 verse 6. Herein we have need to be jealous over ourselves, lest, as it is observably expressed here, we profane God's holy name in those things which we hallow unto him, verse 2. If we affront God in those very performances wherein we pretend to honor him, and provoke him instead of pleasing him, we shall make up but a bad account shortly, yet thus we do if we profane God's name, by doing that in our uncleanness which pretends to be hallowed to him. 10 There shall no stranger eat of the holy thing, a sojourner of the priest, or an hired servant, shall not eat of the holy thing. 11 But if the priest buy any soul with his money, he shall eat of it, and he that is born in his house, they shall eat of his meat. 12 If the priest's daughter also be married unto a stranger, she may not eat of an offering of the holy things. 13 But if the priest's daughter be a widow or divorced, and have no child, and is returned unto her father's house, as in her youth, she shall eat of her father's meat, but there shall no stranger eat thereof. 14 And if a man eat of the holy thing unwittingly, then he shall put the fifth part thereof unto it, and shall give it unto the priest with the holy thing. 15 And they shall, shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, which they offer unto the Lord. 16 Or suffer them to bear the iniquity of trespass, when they eat their holy things, for I the Lord do sanctify them. The holy things were to be eaten by the priests and their families. Now. 1. Here is a law that no stranger should eat of them, that is, no person whatsoever, but the priests only, and those that pertain to them, verse 10. The priests are charged with this care, not to profane the holy things by permitting the strangers to eat of them, verse 15, or suffer them to bear the iniquity of trespass, verse 16, that is, suffer them to bring guilt upon themselves, by meddling with that which they have no right to. Thus it is commonly understood. Note, we must not only be careful that we do not bear iniquity ourselves, but we must do what we can to prevent others bearing it. We must not only not suffer sin to lie upon our brother, but if we can help it, we must not suffer it to come upon him. 
But perhaps there is another meaning of those words, the priests eating the sin offerings is said, said to signify their bearing the iniquity of the congregation to make an atonement for them, chapter 10 verse 17. Let not a stranger therefore eat of that holy thing particularly, and so pretend to bear the iniquity of trespass, for it is daring presumption for any to do that, but such as are appointed to do it. Those that set up other mediators besides Christ our priest, to bear the iniquity of trespass, sacrilegiously rob Christ of his honor, and invade his rights. When we warn people not to trust to their own righteousness, nor dare to appear before God in it, but to rely on Christ's righteousness only for peace and pardon, it is because we dare not suffer them to bear the iniquity of trespass, for we know it is too heavy for them. 2. Here is an explanation of the law, showing who were to be looked upon as belonging to the priest's family, and who not. 1. Sojourners and hired servants abode not in the house forever, they were in the family, but not of it, and therefore they might not eat of the holy things, verse 10 But the servant that was born in the house, or bought with money, being a heirloom to the family, though a servant, yet might eat of the holy things, verse 11. Note, those only are entitled to the comforts of God's house who make it their rest forever, and resolve to dwell in it all the days of their life. As for those who for a time only believe, to serve a present turn. They are looked upon but as sojourners and mercenaries, and have no part nor lot in the matter. 2. As to the children of the family, concerning the sons there could be no dispute, they were themselves priests, but concerning the daughters there was a distinction. While they continued in their father's house they might eat of the holy things, but, if they married such as were not priests, they lost their right, verse 12, for now they were cut off from the family of the priests. Yet if a priest's daughter became a widow, and had no children in whom she might preserve a distinct family, and return to her father's house again, being neither wife nor mother, she should again be looked upon as a daughter, and might eat of the holy things. If those whom providence has made sorrowful widows, and who are dislodged from the rest they had in the house of a husband, yet find it again in a father's house, they have reason to be thankful to the widow's God, who does not leave them comfortless. 3. Here is a demand of restitution to be made by him that had no right to the holy, the holy things, and yet should eat of them unwittingly, verse 14. If he did it presumptuously, and in contempt of the divine institution, he was liable to be cut off by the hand of God, and to be beaten by the magistrate, but, if he did it through weakness and inconsideration, he was to restore the value, adding a fifth part to it, besides which he was to bring an offering to atone for the trespass, see chapter 5 verses 15 and 16. 3. This law might be dispensed with in a case of necessity, as it was when David and his men ate of the showbread, 1 Samuel 21 verse 6. And our Savior justifies them, and gives a reason for it, which furnishes us with a lasting rule in all such cases, that God will have mercy and not sacrifice, Matthew 12 verses 3 and 4 and 7. Rituals must give way to morals. For, it is an instruction to gospel ministers, who are stewards of the mysteries of God, not to admit all, without distinction, to eat of the holy things, but to take out the precious from the vile. Those that are scandalously ignorant or profane are strangers and aliens to the family of the Lord's priests, and it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to such. Holy things are for holy persons, for those who are holy, at least, in profession, Matthew 7 verse 6. Laws Concerning Sacrifices, 1490 B.C. 17 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 18 Speak unto Aaron, and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, 
whatsoever he be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers in Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows, and for all his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering, nineteen ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish, of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. Twenty but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. Twenty one and whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a freewill offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted, there shall be no blemish therein. Twenty two blind, or broken, or maimed, or having a one, or scurvy, or scabbed, ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Twenty three either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous or lacking in his parts, that mayest thou offer for a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. Twenty four ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised, or crushed, or broken, or cut, neither shall ye make any offering thereof in your land. Twenty five neither from a stranger's hand shall ye offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them, and blemishes be in them, they shall not be accepted for you. 26 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 27 When a bullock, or a sheep, or a goat, is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam, and from the eighth day, and thenceforth it shall be accepted for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. 28 And whether it be cow or you, ye shall not kill it, and her young both in one day. 29 And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. 30 On the same day it shall be eaten up, ye shall leave none of it until the morrow, I am the Lord. 31 Therefore shall ye keep my commandments, and do them, I am the Lord. 32 Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel, I am the Lord which hallow you. 33 That brought you out of the land of Egypt, to be your God, I am the Lord. Here are four laws concerning sacrifices. 1. Whatever was offered in sacrifice to God should be without blemish, otherwise it should not be accepted. This had often been mentioned in the particular institutions of the several sorts of offerings. Now here they are told what was to be accounted a blemish which rendered a beast unfit for sacrifice, if it was blind, or lame, had a one, or the mange, verse 22, if it was bruised, or crushed, or broken, or cut, verse 24, that is, as the Jewish writers understand it, if it was, in any of these ways, castrated, if bulls and rams were made into oxen and weathers, they might not be offered. Moreover a difference is made between what was brought as a freewill offering and what was brought as a vow, verse 23. And, though none that had any of the forementioned blemishes might be brought for either, yet if a beast had anything superfluous or lacking, that is, as the Jews understand it, if there was a disproportion or inequality between those parts that are pairs, when one eye or ear or leg was bigger than it should be, or less than it should be, if there was no other blemish than this, it might be accepted for a freewill offering to which a man had not before laid himself, nor had the divine law laid him, under any particular obligation, but for a vow it might not be accepted. Thus God would teach us to make conscience of performing our promises to him very exactly, and not afterwards to abate in quantity or value of what we had solemnly engaged to devote to him. What was, before the vow, in our own power, as in the case of a free will offering, afterwards is not, Acts 5 verse 4. It is again and again declared that no sacrifice should be accepted if it was thus blemished, verses 20 and 21. According to this law great care was taken to search all the beasts that were brought to be sacrificed, that there might, to a certainty, be no blemish in them. 
A blemished sacrifice might not be accepted even from the hand of a stranger, though to such all possible encouragement should be given to do honor to the God of Israel, verse 25. By this it appears that strangers were expected to come to the house of God from a far country, 1 Kings 8 verses 41 and 42, and that they should be welcome, and their offerings accepted, as those of Darius, Ezra 6 verses 9 and 10, Isaiah 56 verses 6 and 7. The heathen priests were many of them not so strict in this matter, but would receive sacrifices for their gods that were ever so scandalous, but let strangers know that the God of Israel would not be so served. Now, 1. This law was then necessary for the preserving of the honor of the sanctuary, and of the God that was there worshipped. It was fit that everything that was employed for his honor should be the best of the kind, for, as he is the greatest and brightest, so he is the best of beings, and he that is the best must have the best. See how greatly and justly displeasing the breach of this law was to the holy God, Malachi 1 verses 8 and 13 and 14. 2. This law made all the legal sacrifices the fitter to be types of Christ, the great sacrifice from which all these derived their virtue. In allusion to this law, he is said to be a lamb without blemish and without spot, 1 Peter 1 verse 19. As such a priest, so such a sacrifice, became us, who was harmless and undefiled. When Pilate declared, I find no fault in this man, he did thereby in effect pronounce the sacrifice without blemish. The Jews say it was the work of the Sagan, or Suffragan, high priest, to view the sacrifices, and see whether they were without blemish or no, when Christ suffered, Annas was in that office, but little did those who brought Christ to Annas, Annas first, by whom he was sent bound to Caiaphas, as a sacrifice fit to be offered, John 18 verses 13 and 24, think that they were answering the type of this law. 3. It is an instruction to us to offer to God the best we have in our spiritual sacrifices. If our devotions are ignorant, and cold, and trifling, and full of distractions, we offer the blind, and the lame, and the sick, for sacrifice, but cursed be the deceiver that does so, for, while he thinks to put a cheat upon God, he puts a damning cheat upon his own soul. 2. That no beast should be offered in sacrifice before it was eight days old, verses 26 and 27. It was provided before that the firstlings of their cattle, which were to be dedicated to God, should not be brought to him till after the eighth day, Exodus 22 verse 30. Here it is provided that no creature should be offered in sacrifice till it was eight days old complete. Sooner than that it was not fit to be used at men's tables, and therefore not a God's altar. The Jews say, it was because the Sabbath sanctifies all things, and nothing should be offered to God till at least one Sabbath had passed over it. It was in conformity to the law of circumcision, which children were to receive on the eighth day. Christ was sacrificed for us, not in his infancy, though then, though then Herod sought to slay him, but in the prime of his time. 3. That the dam and her young should not both be killed in one day, whether in sacrifice or for common use, verse 28. There is such a law as this concerning birds, Deuteronomy 22 verse 6. This was forbidden, not as evil in itself, but because it looked barbarous and cruel to the brute creatures, like the tyranny of the king of Babylon, that slew Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, and then put out his eyes. It looked ill-natured towards the species to kill two generations at once, as if one designed the ruin of the kind. For that the flesh of their thank offerings should be eaten on the same day that they were sacrificed, verses 29 and 30. This is a repetition of what we had before, chapter 7 verse 15, chapter 19 verses 6 and 7. 
The chapter concludes with such a general charge as we have often met with, to keep God's commandments, and not to profane His holy name, verses 31 and 32. Those that profess God's name, if they do not make conscience of keeping His commandments, do but profane His name. The general reasons are added, God's authority over them I am the Lord, His interest in them I am your God, the title He had to them by redemption I brought you out of the land of Egypt, on purpose that I might be your God, the designs of His grace concerning them I am the Lord that hallow you, and the resolutions of His justice, if He had not honor from them, to get Himself honor upon them, I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. God will be a loser in His glory by no man at last, but sooner or later will recover His right, either in the repentance of sinners or in their ruin.